0: So, Shala, I love this whole idea about super niching, um, and I do teach it as an option, but it's something that I have, uh, I don't want to say struggled with, rebelled against for all the years, because I'm really a generalist, and it's one of my claims to fame. So, how, how would that match, or how would that work?
1: I love that you said that, because everyone's in the same boat when we start, And the whole fact is that super niching allows you to just get in the door and then you can cross sell all your services.
0: Okay, meaning it's not that I'm changing what I do, I'm just changing my hook, bingo. Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast, and here's your host, Estee Rand. Welcome back to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. Guys, I am so excited to introduce my guest today, Chala Dinkoy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Now, you're in California, right? I am in California and you are in Canada, where they have you we're, not, we're freezing right now. So I don't I've know not. what Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not that. freezing. Uh, but I gotta <laughs> tell one a little bit more about you. So guys, Paula okay. is the CEO and founder of the Repositioning Expert, a division of coach tactics and a marketing strategist who helps professional service companies change their messaging to attract more decision makers. I love how specific that is. We'll talk about that. In her former life, Chala was an award-winning marketer at companies such as Pepsi, Pizza Hut, Frito-Lay, Playtex, and Bic, Inc. for 20 years. They, they make the pens, guys. You know, like we talk about, um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I feel like that's a Bic pen, right? They're selling the exact same pens for like 100 years. Now she's a marketing consultant, the author of Gentle Marketing, A Gentle Way to Attract Loads of Clients, and How to Win Friends the Way Apple Wins Customers. In addition, Shala is a regular featured expert on major television television networks such as ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, as well as a popular speaker at international conferences. Um, okay, this is a lot. <laughs> it's um, a give you a little bit backstory. Um, coming from corporate, were you an employee at all the giant corporations or were you working for like a marketing company or agency that partnered with them? Or were you a freelancer working with them? Like what, what was that? You know, that's such a good question
1: because it's only after I left corporate that I realized that the people who ha- had worked in agencies but worked on those brands are, you know, claiming that they, they worked on, you know, with those brands but they actually, you know, like paid me a, a paycheck. So I was always in their marketing and brand uh, team and m- how it worked was for 18 years, I had people pitching me like nonstop because I worked at Pepsi, Pizza Hut Frito-Lay, like, these are the most sexiest brands in their industry. And um, I kept saying, no, no thank you, no thank you to every vendor that ever crossed my path. And it wasn't because I was mean, I'm Canadian, but it's because I, you know, they were missing a certain element. Their pitch was horrible. It was always talking about themselves. Did you come from the agency world? I can't remember.
0: No, I did not. I actually came from the nonprofit world and oh, I learned how to pitch from Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. So it's never about you, it's only ever about who you're talking to. Know. No one cares about you. Not at all. Not even a little bit.
1: I love bit. that book. You know, it was so instrumental, that book. It was probably one of the first marketing books or self help books that I've ever read. And it's because my parents had it. So I was really like, you know, 15. Oh wow. So, like amazing, amazing that you did that. Awesome. I love that. Guy. I read
0: it at like 18, and I remember going with a friend into a restaurant. I was in the middle of the book. And it was talking about, you know, the sweetest sounds in any language to any person is their name. And I said to my friend, I'm like, we're gonna try this. I'm like 18 years old. I'm all into my like self-help crusade. I'm reading the seven habits and I'm reading this and I'm reading a whole bunch of things. And my friend's like, Esther, you're out of your mind. I'm like, no, we're gonna do this. So I did with no ulterior motive just to make the person feel good, right? So we're at this like fast food restaurant and I asked the fast food, what do you call a checkout girl, right? Like I asked her her name and she, I don't think anyone's asked her her name in the, however many years she's worked there. Like, who asked a fast food person their name but don't oh. go on the counter, you know? Hmm. Um, but I'm all into everyone cares about their name. So I did and we just like, it was just a nice pleasant moment, right? Just to make people smile, just to make the world a brighter place. And she gave us like free fries and extra drinks. <laughs> That's an excellent story. I was like, oh my God, this thing works. I was like on chapter two, I was like, I am all in on this book.
1: Oh, so good. What a start to your life, eh? If you start implementing it, it is so true. Totally. I've learned much. And you know, a lot of what I teach now is about stop talking about yourself, right? And stop talking about your services. Stop talking about your, your products. And so like one thing that I teach is called super niching. So you were talking about earlier. The
0: specificity um, in your pitch. Yeah.
1: Well, and you were also talking about how, I love how you called it the genius tacticians. I think you called it, which is like, wow, what a word. you're such a marketer already. Um, (laughs) That is. Brandy people (laughs) do. So my, my shtick is super niching. I've been, you know, talking about niching and then super niching and i base like a growth formula and your messaging and your strategy all on a super niche which really is like you pick one target industry or interest group depending on if you're b2b or b2c and then you pick one facet of a pain point that they have that's really expensive and then you become an expert in that and then your elevator pitch is based on that your um you know messaging your content and then possibly you change operationally to repackage what you're doing in line with that super niche. And then once you use that as a hook to get in the room with all the people that I used to say no to, right? So they then you can cross sell them everything else. So then that's exactly what's become my signature is the super niching or in the US as you call it, is it niching?
0: <laughs> no, I, I say niche, but I learned how to speak by reading. So I pronounce a lot of things wrong. I don't
1: know if it's wrong or whatever, but it when I used to uh, you know market and sell in the U.S., which I still do now on Zoom, uh, they used to call it. You mean niching? And then I used to try to introduce myself as a niching coach, and then no, they would... I'm going to go with niche. I I definitely say it is. Niche. No, I think you can roll with that. I know, and then they would think it's knitting, and they'd be like, they,
0: like, like, no, no. Okay. So wait, so there's still a big gap. So you are a, um, marketing or brand manager. Like what were you in the corporations? So I started as an ABM,
1: like, uh, you know, uh, assistant. Brand so brand, yeah. And then, you know, you progress on to the brand manager, then you go on to category manager, then you go on to marketing manager, then you go on to marketing director. And so, you know, like you just move through and I was always the, it's called the CPG. the consumer packaged goods. Yeah, that's And I moved. Yeah,
0: so that was my. That was, yeah. No, I mean, Pepsi, Pizza Hut, Frito-Lay, like that kind of.
1: Yeah, I mean, those are actually one company. So that it used to be called Pepsi Co. And then I moved on to a drinks giant called Diageo, which they own um, Smirnoff, Bailey's, Tanqueray, um, you know, right. any, um, any drinks you could think about. Right. Uh, Gordon's, whatever, everything we own. So that I was a brand manager for those, and that was fun. And then went on to Playtex, and then went on. So it was just always like consumer product goods and then they were always the giants in their own industry. So I was pitched to death really.
0: So what made you wake up one day and say, you know what, I've been on this side of it for a really long time. Why don't I go to the other side of it? I always
1: wanted to, you know, like, especially to like today, the millennials, they're saying how it's a gig economy. Everybody has something on the side. Like if you don't like, it's embarrassing, Mm -hmm. but I always had that dream. And so I had the side gig while I was working for the last seven years of my career. And I went and certified as a coach, uh, through the ICF. And then I became, I had one or two clients at lunch. I would take all my, uh, vacation time to do training, you know, so it was just a passion. And then Finally, I had a fight with a a bipolar woman and, you know, no disrespect to anyone, but she really, uh, you know, was on and off her medication in the same company, in the same department. And my boss, who was younger than me, refused to do anything about it because he simply didn't know what to do. And it's one of those situations and, you know, God bless him. He was a really nice guy, but he ignored the situation for two years. And it was like, I just couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't take it anymore. And so when I was gonna leave, I said, I'm not gonna like look for another job that's gonna be something similar. I'm just gonna take the plunge. And it was terrifying. terrifying. So I don't know, we're gonna have to, you know, figure it out. I'm gonna have to figure out what to do. I'm gonna have to figure out how to get over this fear. So what I did was I did a lot of um, like, I hired coaches. And that's how I did it. And I know you have an incubator, right?
0: Yes, we have the BMS incubator, but I'm I'm more fascinated. Your story and my story are are a little similar, like just in terms of the transition. Like I was working as the CIO of a multinational nonprofit and they hired this middle manager who made my life miserable. And then when I left, I went looking for a new job first, but I couldn't find anything that gave me the balance that I needed. And I was also terrified out of my mind, Um, but that's when I started my own thing about 12 years ago now wow and how's it been i mean we're, we're 12 years in so um it's been good okay. i am um, i don't really look back i don't really i think every once in a while like if we have a bad day like i want to say thank god like, we've never even had a bad month but i've had bad days and on bad days i'm like you know you get it lost in your own head like everything's really going great but you have one weird day or one person says something to you that just really gets to you and you're like okay have a backup plan my backup plan is if I ever need a job I'm gonna go here and I'm gonna do this um but like those are few and far between for the most part I'm just I'm thrilled I'm, I'm living the dream that I had 12 years ago like I'm, I'm yeah
1: and, and not only that but I have so much freedom of every kind now that comes with uncertainty because like I lost all my income when the borders shut down because I work Exclusively in the U.S. Oh wow! And I go there anymore, and so I had to refigure entirely from scratch all my funnels, and so that was like I was in the fetal position. In-person work, you were doing live work in the U.S. I well, I mean, I delivered the service vir- uh, virtually partially, but it was more that I would speak at. So, like in 2019, I had my best year. I spoke at 14 conferences in 12 months. Wow! That's how. I so i would speak for 60 minutes and then i would close you know six figures in the next 60 minutes in the audience so that was gone goner those conferences were canceled the travel was stopped Um, your whole promotional strategy had to be redone exactly so you know and then again so i was in the fetal position (laughs) at the time like last year this time so even that's what i put up this you know good luck charm because i like it has to come back and it, it came back luckily because of all the coaching that I paid for in, you know, all the years, the eight years that I've had my business, I've always invested in the mindset because like that was what was stopping me. Cause like I have a Turkish background. My parents come from a poor country. My mom's a lawyer, my dad's an engineer, they're educated, but they're still like in that poverty mindset, which they transferred to us. Mm -hmm. And that was really, um, hurting me in my business. So that's why I had invested all this money to have faith in myself and my ability to be able to have a mindset to you know, spend money when I don't have any. So that came in real handy during COVID. And then I was able to bring it all back because I figured out how to do all the sales on, on LinkedIn.
0: I love yeah, I LinkedIn cool. is, a, is a favorite um, pastime of mine as well. Yeah, and how's it been like for you? Um, The, the last 10 years or the last year?
1: Hmm. Both. So, did you make more after you left the nonprofit? Oh my gosh! Oh
0: right. my gosh! Like right. And I've also moved countries. I lived in Jerusalem at that time. When I started oh, my business, yeah. and we moved to LA. I've actually restarted my business four times now. We're on the fourth version. Um, this fourth version is a result partly from COVID, also because I got a divorce in the last year. In the middle, just you know, a couple extra little life bulb people's just for fun. Um, just like to mix it up a bit. So. Uh, so yeah, we're on version 4.0 and and I'm loving it. And every time we redo it, it's better. It's better, it starts off bigger, it goes faster. Um, and so it's hard, It's I don't say it's not hard. And if, if someone had told me 10 years ago when I was really kicking off, like I started doing it 12 years ago, but like 10 years ago is when I went full force. Um, If someone had told me then, like Esty, you're gonna move countries, you're gonna build this multiple times, you're gonna travel the world speaking, you're gonna do a six-figure lawn. Like these are things you're gonna do. I'd be like, You're so cute. Like, I'm gonna be happy if I can make back my salary. Okay. Like (laughs) and I've made my salary 10 times over. And so that's awesome. uh, I think 2019 I I did like a 10x of my original salary or something like that. So what was it like for COVID? Is the last
1: invention because of COVID or reinvention?
0: No, it's really, it's like, it's really the divorce. It just, cause my life was so, and and guys, all of you listening, like I'm sure you can relate. Like sometimes you go through something personal that's so all consuming. Like I moved out, I had to get a new place to live. Like it just so many things, so many changes. And COVID was kind of on top of that, right? So I can't say it had nothing to do with it and influenced it but i was primarily promoting online i was traveling a lot for speaking but it wasn't my primary form of promotion my primary form of promotion is strategic word of mouth and online um organic so uh, i didn't really lose had i not been in the middle of a divorce i probably would have 10x my business in 2020 cuz i have what everyone needs i can show anyone how to turn a talent hobby or ability into a profitable business like mm-hmm. I had the thing that everyone needed, and I had stuff built out for it, and I just didn't have the bandwidth to do anything about it. So mm-hmm. it was—it was a little frustrating. <laughs> it was like I was, sitting, I was like, I have what everyone needs. Like I know I do, and I don't even have five minutes to to do it.
1: So, but that's the thing. So then uh, you know that a lot of people's lives have changed because of COVID, right? Yeah. I mean, relationships, marriages. Divorces, all of
0: that is happening because of of COVID. It intensified. I know. So we were um that's the story, the COVID didn't push it over the edge. It just happened to coincide. But I remember a friend of mine was like, you know everyone I know is either having a baby or getting divorced. I'm like, on the ladder. He's like, Oh my god, I'm so sorry I made it. I was like, No, no, I think you're right. Like, that's pretty much what it is. Um, but okay, we we digress. So <laughs> I want to take us back because I feel like we could go on this thread, but you have too much valuable knowledge for me to not pick your brain, um, for the benefit of the world right now. So I get how you got here. I'm a little curious how you chose super niching, but I'm more curious about how you actually help people do it. Okay. So I'll start with the how you, I help people to do it. So
1: when I I, uh, used to launch these, you know, seven to 10 new products for you know, the the big brands and I had to find the gap in the market because we didn't want to cannibalize existing sales. And so what we used to do was like millions of dollars of research of consumers to figure out where's the gap in the market and how to position that product into that gap was my job. And so that's what I do for a living now. And what I learned from that process that I learned at those big brands, is um, now we do it in two to four weeks in a free uh, process. Of course you have to pay me to teach you how to do it, but you can, once you learn, you can do it for, and rinse and repeat it to own new super niches. So the process is you do a blue sky, write down every single industry or interest group that you'd like to work with or can work with or have worked with, and then what are the their pain points? The most expensive, costly, persistent pain points. And then you score them, for, um, you know, amount of relevance in terms of whether whether it can make you money, whether you have access to the decision maker, and whether it's a good fit for you and your skill set and background, then once that, like numbers don't lie, it's based on gut and it's back of the envelope, but once you do that, then the top three pop out, the top three industries and pain points, and then we go out and we deploy a, um, a research, kind of like a conversation, a 15-minute conversation around validity, you know, uh, verifying and validating the assumptions around pain, price point, all of that. And uh, then once we have the market data back that validates, yes, this is the pain point and this is the target and they are willing to pay this much for that, to, for that solution. Um, and a lot of those cases, those turn into sales in the moment because you're in front of people in pain and you're talking about being a solution to their pain even if it's just a fact finding informational interview always turns into a sale. And then what we do is we take the data and then we deploy it into a messaging uh, strategy and your uh, marketing plan. And then I help people implement their marketing plan through the six months that we're working together. And I help B2B service-based providers because if you don't have a product, you can't say buy this product. It's more like buy me or buy my brain Kind of thing which a people have issues with b they really can't even imagine how to convey that in a way that's differentiated and meaningful and concise so either they're like kitchen sinking everything we do this and we do that and we do that or uh it's so vague that nobody really gets it or they try to get cutesy about it and say some buzzwords to open up a conversation but if you're doing it one too many that doesn't work um so a lot of lot of lot of um things are resolved once you have a super niche. And that's the process that you find it.
0: I love it. Totally. That I take notes? For everyone listening, they can slow you down and take notes slower, but I got that. Um, <laughs> so here's my question though. The big companies pay, like you said, millions of dollars to do this research. And you said, you know, people don't have, they pay you to learn how to do it, but they can do it for free. And then it sounds like you're doing specific, you know, like you said, a fact-finding interview. Um, so is that the methodology? Are people just canvassing their, you know, friends and family, strangers, social media surveys? Like, how are they doing free research? They're reaching out to their personal
1: networks, to their natural organic networks. And, but, but it's um, targeted to the industries that popped out in the scoring. So if it's healthcare, IT and retail, food retail, then they look to their networks to see what is the title of the decision maker in for their services in those industries that they could potentially have ties to, whether in the past, through a friend, through a colleague, through a vendor. So we mine those, we flush those out, and they go out and they interview as many people as they can. Um, and, and then they bring back the data. And there's a very specific way, like research is garbage in, garbage out. So I've, you know, like had like eight years and before that, the 20 years of experience on what those questions should be, because each one is like very valuable to what we need to do with the answer to that question. And then they ask the questions, bring back the answers. And then the genius of what I do is that I turn that into a business marketing strategy that
0: then makes them more money. Love it. You're it's so similar. Cause we, I never heard anyone else use the term that we use, which is a business marketing strategy. Like, that is what we build. Like, because yeah. it's the marketing strategy that actually earns you money that builds your business. This yeah. is the first time I heard anyone else use the term. So now, now yeah. we have ways to get one of those. I they're a For little, sure. it sounds like they, they have similarities. I love it. Okay. So what is it that you do? I mean,
1: I, I know this is your show, but I'm really curious. So I'm not going to let this opportunity go. Uh,
0: how, how is your niching system different? Or, or okay. so. Well, so I see, I was going to actually play on this. You're such a natural coach that even though I'm interviewing you, you keep flipping it on me. Like, do you realize that? Like, you listen to this podcast, you know that I usually interview the business owners. And do you see how Shalas keeps flipping it? She's like interviewing me. So, okay, we'll fl- I'll play. So, I just love I just want to I love what you're doing I just
1: want to hear more about it and I'm so sorry to the viewers who already know or the no that's fine you know we, do.
0: we don't talk about me that much I'll, I'll play and I think it'll be a good illustration of of what you do also so I'm fine with yeah. that so I help business owners earn more money with less headache that is what I do oh,
1: that's your pitch okay earn more money
0: okay earn more money
1: with less headache with less headache. Okay. I wasn't I wasn't even asking for the elevator
0: pitch, but I'm so that's happy to know it comes out. That's just that's yeah. the only way I know how to explain it.
1: No, that's great. So do you have and I'll be happy to polish it in a minute, but what I was asking is, um, do you have a um like a, a methodology in your program where you find the niche? Uh yes.
0: And the way we do it, yeah, is we do a core brand. So what we do. We do a lot of different things, right? And we, we have been narrowing it down, but essentially we have a full service creative consulting firm, right? So we've got, we're multinational, clients on six continents, staff in seven time zones, business strategy, marketing strategy, specifically organic, even for people who don't wanna use social media, financials, growth strategy, work-life balance. It's everything that a Fortune 500 company would get from like a Deloitte McKinsey, we do for micro businesses and nonprofits. And then as the years passed, we found that we were doing 50% and then 60% and then 70% marketing strategy, because no one else was doing what we were doing in that space. So we focused much more on that. And we now have the BMS framework, which is where you complete and align your branding, marketing, and sales to create a business marketing strategy. So got we did. It. got it. Um, and that when you get all of those stitched together, if someone's marketing isn't working. It's either they didn't complete all these three elements or they haven't aligned them. Mm -hmm. When these three elements are done properly and they're aligned with each other, you have the fertile ground for organic marketing. It just works. And we guarantee you never waste money on marketing again. That is the super pain point. We focus primarily on service-based businesses, not only professional services, but any type of service. Um, We do some fashion, retail, food service, but overall, Um, The focus is on service-based businesses and micro business owners, people who are freelancers, solopreneurs to like 20 person companies, but majority of our our incubator participants and and group participants are in the smaller stages. And then we have our higher ticket clients that are obviously larger where we do custom. That's great. That sounds perfect for micro companies. That is that is my passion. That's where I started 12 years ago. And most people, and part of um, what makes me unique in the space is that most competent people don't stay here. Many people start here. And as soon as they're competent enough, they grow up and they grow out. Mm-hmm. And they want the higher contracts and the bigger and the corporate contracts. And uh, we were headed there like everybody else. And I chose not to looked mm-hmm. at the business. And I said, these are my people. What do I have to do to continue helping them and make the services affordable and make sure they still work for them? And that's how we, we've restructured and that was in Virgin 3.0 in 4.0. We've taken it to the next level. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we've taken everything we learned in 3.0 from everybody and we're updating and redoing, we've redone everything, um, to service people in a post COVID landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the world is just so different. Like the world is different, people are there, everything has changed in the last couple of years. So uh, everything has been redone. We just redid our LinkedIn program. We have a LinkedIn 15, 15 minutes a day for 15 days. And then you can leverage LinkedIn organically for free for steady leads and clients. Um, And it's micro, right? So if you give me 15 minutes, you will complete the trainings and the action steps in those 15 minutes. And then all you need to do ongoing is 15 minutes and people are closing real deals, like it works. I know it works, but it's always fun to like watch it work in real life. Um, and then we'll watch an incubator in April. So lots of fun. Very things.
1: nice, very nice. I love it, sounds great.
0: So now, now you have the extended pitch and I have curtsied. Ta-da. Okay,
1: all right, so have <laughs> permission to polish. Permission to polish.
0: Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdran.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?